This is Michael Gannett with Inside Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. And it is another beautiful day in the Jewish state. A little hot, but, but beautiful. <laughs> and I want to start off, thank you, Jay, for that input. That's awesome. I want to start off this radio show by saying thank you, thank you, thank you to the guys at America's Web Radio for bringing the truth of the Jewish state to the grassroots of the United States. The truth about Israel as this country remarkably, remarkably is number one in the world in technology, agriculture and medicine, and the vast amounts of humanitarian work that it does around the world. Insight to Israel has been blessed, blessed to bring you this truth since March of 2013. And uh, we're working on four years old, actually being here in Israel coming up this October, four years, and the radio show in March, and Chocolates for Heroes, uh, four years old in March of 2017. And uh, we are grateful uh, every day that we can use the social media. And wow, wow, Jay, what, how blessed I've been to be able to travel this country in places my own friends have never been. You know, I mean, I've had people tell me here in Tel Aviv, sadly enough, that I have not been to the Kotel since high school. It's a real problem. You know, unfortunately, Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, our eternal capital, is not relevant for the lives of most Israelis. It may be the political capital of Israel and certainly the spiritual center Amen. of the Jewish people, but... There is a real disconnect between the majority of Jews in the world, certainly the majority of Jews in Israel, and, and Yerushalayim, and something that uh, that we need to work on. You know, we're not yet at full redemption. Right. That's clear. Right. And I think the lack of connection between the Jewish people and our holy city is a big part where we can see that we're, we're on the path. We're, right. we're moving in the right direction, right. but we're not there yet. Thank they, God, by the way, I want to say, what, what a noble honor it is noble honor it is to be able to help fill in those vacuums and fill those gaps and be part of the solution, you know? Right. On our shoulders, we get to be a little piece of the answer. Right. And that's and that's great. I, you know, I, I, personally, it keeps me going here every, every day. Now, you know, what is... I agree with you, but what I see is, and exactly what you just stated from my perspective, as I do travel the country, as I spend time with the soldiers, you know... When they ask me, Michael, where, where have you lived since you've been here? Most of my time has been spent in, in Tel Aviv. But for the first six months, and I'm, I'm so glad that I did it, I lived in Jerusalem. And when I say that, there's just this, this thing that comes over them. Uh, one second. Keeps getting loud. This is, I really wish, this is why people need to come here. Not because of the siren, but thank God. Let's we hope and pray for someone's life to be. By the way, every time I see I see a, I see an ambulance with a siren, you should you should pray that there's another Jewish baby being born. That's what they're talking about, man. Wow, wow. That's wow. not death. That's not destruction. That's not terrorism. That's wow. Another Jewish woman's got to be rushed to the hospital so a Jewish doctor can help her deliver another Jewish baby. <laughs> I'm Yisrael Chai. To bless the world. Bless the world. And uh, so when I say I lived in Jerusalem, wow, they get this look on their face, this like, this uh, comes over them and they say, wow, yes, in Jerusalem, the air is so much different. 
And it is. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's part of the radio show today that we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, you look like you have something on your mind that you want to share. No, I mean, this is this is stuff I think about a lot. And, you know, I recognize not the problems of the Jewish people, the problems in Israel, but the vacuums and the things that are yet to be fully developed. And, and uh, you know, when, when you talk about these things, it brings you bring up the core of my soul and, uh, you know, my motivation for, for living here and doing here. So. You know, Jay, I, I see what God is doing in your country and with your people. And he's grooming them for that redemption. God is grooming, purifying, as he does. Listen, I'm not exempt. I am not exempt. Because I've been blessed to be here. God has given me this privilege and this honor to be here. And this blessing that has changed my life. And, you know, my mother was here and she says, Michael, every day I dream of Israel. Every day I dream of it. And... In spite of what is happening in the world, sometimes God uses wickedness to purify us, to make us better, to make us draw closer to Him, to look to Him in times of trouble and uh, in times of personal doubt as to who He is, His character, His personality, that we can find, that we can find without going very far directly in the Bible. And, you know, the soldiers would sometimes... We're not getting off on a tangent. I think it needs to be said, but sometimes the soldiers say, Michael, we hope. I'm like, no, it's been done in the past. Read Torah and see what God did for Joshua. Read what he did when he brought you out of Egypt. It's not a matter of just hoping. He will do it. He will do what he said because he's done it in the past and he will do it in the future. Amen. And it's doing it right in the present every day. When I went to see a Nefesh Benefesh event at Ben-Gurion Airport, and there's over 500 Jews greeting 200 American Jews making Aliyah. And in part of this video, this woman gets off the bus and her face, wow, there's such joy. And there's such, such shock that she's receiving such, a, such a, a, a parade of welcome. But there's, and I, I posted when I, was in, when I had the video camera on this woman, I said it's that look that you have when you know you're home. And, and all of this leads up to what we're going to talk about today. But, uh, Jay, I'm telling you, listen, you know what? God has been merciful to me. He's been gracious uh, for me to, again, I can't re-emphasize this enough, for me to be able to tell this truth at such a time as this, at such a moment and a precedent in history. And uh, we're reaching that place. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But God will use the difficult and the hard times to draw us to Him, to have trust in Him. Whoa. <laughs> you should have your own radio show, man. You're good. Anyway, I want to say thank you to everybody that listens to Insight to Israel. Thank you to the guys in America's Web Radio. Thank you to everyone who goes to our social media. You must see some of the great videos that we recently put out. We've got more videos. We've been to some bases. We've been sharing with the soldiers the necessity. Uh, that Americans stand with them, forget the government, uh, forget the governments of the world, forget the media of the world. Americans love you, they stand with you, they pray for you. Look to each other in spite of your differences and look to God. Look this way, hey, Slikan. Look this way and up. And that's where your help comes from. And uh, what an honor to share that with these soldiers and see the encouragement, man. They're, they're ready to go. 
you know? So watch our social media. Share with your friends, your family. Send, send some chocolate. Send some chocolate. By the way, I'd like to recommend uh, Hershey Bar because they're kosher. Absolutely. You definitely want to look for that, that, that little K or the little OU on the package there. Usually on the Hershey Bars, you see that. So Absolutely. That'd be great. Now, here's the great thing. Usually it's been groups that are sending these chocolate bars, and it's very costly to send them from the U.S. But now we have the ability, you can get the chocolate bars for a dollar a piece from Insight Digital and Chocolates for Heroes. Email us the note, or what one church just recently did. They went and made up their own notes. They bought the chocolate bars from here, saved them hundreds in shipping. Uh, it would have cost them to buy 500 chocolate bars it would have cost them two or three hundred dollars in shipping. And in this heat, they're going to melt. Well, actually, I've got it down to a science when it comes to the shipping, but that's another story. But they're actually going to send us the notes that they made up for the soldiers. Now, you can do it that way, or you can send us the note. We'll beautifully decorate it. We're going to take a picture of you and your chocolate bars, collage it together, and put you in the participators, not spectators, uh, Chocolates for Heroes picture folder, in our Insight to Israel page. It's a VIP access front stage and backstage past the land of Israel. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, get involved with Chocolates for Heroes. Jay, today we've handed out about 15,735 chocolate bars. That's very specific. That's very specific. And it's amazing, amazing, amazing what a simple note on a chocolate bar can do. So... I want to say thank you to everybody that's involved with Chocolates for Heroes. And you can go to our Inside Israel page on Facebook uh, or email me at mganoe at uh, insighttoisrael.com and uh, get involved. Moving forward, Jay Schultz, thank you. You are our unofficial, unofficial rabbi for Insight to Israel. And I want to say thank you for being on the show. Because, speaking of Jerusalem and the temple, we have... Because some... I've been on the show 5,700. And... <laughs> I come in a lot, and it's an honor. You, you. You've been on more than anyone. But what you brought to the, uh, to the arena, uh, the information that you've been able to bring to us is... Uh... Listen, I think it's important that, that, that the world hears, your audience hears, a real Jewish perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's okay that we all care about the same thing and have different perspectives on the same topic. Right. And I think that, that brings the, the beauty of it. You know, from a Jewish perspective, we, we have a saying, a Mutic saying, called the 70 faces of the Torah. That the Torah has 70 faces. What does that mean? Obviously, most of you have seen at least pictures of a Torah scroll. It's a, it's a one-sided parchment. But the 70 faces of the Torah means there's 70 access points. There's 70 ways to understand every idea within the Torah. There's 70, there's 70 kosher ways to explain law and philosophy and spirituality. There's always levels. There's always ways to not just understand it but connect to it. And, and that's what that means. That as long as all those 70 faces are facing the Torah, it's kosher and it's beautiful because... It, True, true traditional Judaism is a, is a massive rainbow of exciting, exciting difference. Like a multifaceted diamond. The more facets, the, the more beautiful. The more it sparkles, the more intriguing, the more in-depth, the more valuable. And the 70 faces 
concept, I think, is crucial to understand the Jewish view of God's spirituality in the land of Israel. Wow. Wow. I, I can't, like, the stuff that I've learned uh, all the times you've been on the shows, sometimes, man, there's been sometimes, I'll never forget, we were up the street or something somewhere doing a recording, and the way you were sharing it, the way you were opening it up, like, man, I, can, I, I couldn't help but sit there and cry. Torah is the infinite mind of God encapsulated in a form that, that humanity and our finiteness has a small ability to understand. Wow. And it, it is exactly what you just said, that you need to reveal it. There's layers. In many ways, there's infinite layers because God is infinite. But there's 70 ways for us to approach that understanding of infinity. And God is the ultimate infiniteness. He's the ultimate light. We, as finite material beings, who also have infinite souls, but we're also material and finite, can't exist with the purity of that infiniteness. We need layers protecting us. God created the universe with these layers. From a Kabbalistic understanding, he actually contra contracted himself to make space for us. It's, 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 it's a hard thing to understand. I mean, yeah. understanding infinite is a hard concept to begin with. But you can imagine, if there's ultimate pure light, nothing else can exist in, 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 in that space. And God, in his ever-loving, infinite kindness, wow. created that space for us. And so we're living, why do many people think we're living in a world of darkness and lies and pain and, and over-materialism? Well, that's also a real blessing from God. Because if it was pure truth, pure light, pure good, there would be no room for us. And we can only exist between a combination of the spiritual and the physical. Right. And, and, and God created what often seems to be a very dark, difficult world, created for our benefit. Okay, I'm getting off topic here. No, that's good but stuff. But it's, it's, it's an important, again, it's, it's, it's the Jewish perspective on this thing. It's, uh, wow, that's, uh, that's great stuff. And, you know, to think, to think, Jay, what, you know, sometimes we think we're so smart. And many people are smarter than others. But God is, in his complexity, in his uh, infinity, to think that he would take the time to uh, love a fallen man so much that he would desire to strive and coexist with us as his creation. That's an amazing thing, man. All of us were created in the image of God, and that image means... Not that God looks like us when we look in the mirror. Right. What do we see? Image of God means that spark of infiniteness that we call soul is a piece of, of that godliness that we have to elevate through our physical actions by using our free will to make often difficult decisions to live elevated lives because we're in physicality so we can elevate that physicality, not disconnect from it, elevate it. And that's also one of the core concepts of Judaism. By the way, very antithetical to uh, many other spiritual beliefs like Buddhism, for instance, whose ideal is to disconnect from the physical, to, to remove themselves. 
Catholic monks, for instance, historically, right. living in a cave, depriving themselves of, of phys- physicality, connection with others, um, whether it be, be sexual, food, disconnecting from food, disconnecting from, from the pleasures of life. No, says the Jew. You're not supposed to disconnect from the pleasures of life. You're supposed to interact with them in the proper way, at the proper time, right. with wow. acceptable boundaries. But in doing so, you take the good from the bad, use the good properly, and that, from a Jewish perspective, is the reason that we're, we're, we are down here, seemingly unelevated position, because we have the ability, only when you're down in it, to bring it on up. And we're here to bring it on up. You know, you, you talked about that soul connection to God. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that they don't have that with God and their souls are tormented. It's not it's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Right. You know, we God is invisible in many ways. We we, we we are not prophets today. We're not seeing open miracles like the splitting of the sea and the Why thund- do you think that is? I, I ask myself that question. Uh, so I, I, I will tell you what the Jewish answer to that question is. It's a, it's a very simple answer for us. Uh, it's an important question with a simple answer. Even though we do see this country, which is a miracle. No, we, we can see the hand of God, but as you know, most people don't see it. So maybe for you and I it's clear, but it's not empirically clear for everyone. So there is still an invisibility. There is still a... Spiritual blindness. A, a blindness to, to the hand of God, to that clear truth in the world. And it used to be very different. By the way... Remember, even when it was painfully clear at Mount Sinai, for instance, well, 40 days later, after God gave the Torah to, to Moses and the Jewish people, we were building the golden calf and <laughs> worshiping idols. So even when there was pure clarity, that doesn't mean we we're doing the right thing. Right. So even there, so there was a balance. We forget. So, so, I mean, here's, here's some of the answer. Again, from, from, from a Jewish perspective, let's imagine a time and a place where it, it, it was so evident to you and I that there was only God, God was real, God is clearly the truth of the universe, all of his words in the Torah, all of his words given to Moses in the Jewish field of Mount Sinai were binding on our souls. It was so painfully clear there was no other option. You and I would lose God's greatest gift. And that greatest gift to us is called free will. It is the only thing that really separates us from the rest of creation, from the rest of the animals, the rest of physicality, is our ability to use the God-given spark inside of us to choose, make the difficult decision, to choose the right path. And that's called free will. Otherwise, we would just be these pre-programmed robots And when you're a pre-programmed robot, you've earned nothing. You don't give a robot a pat on the back and a cookie for following its programming. You programmed it to do that. the, the, The robot has earned nothing. There's been no struggle. There's been no difficult choices. There's been no mistakes that have then been self-corrected for through trial and error and learning. There's been there's been no ability to educate and refine that thing. It's a black and white binary. It did it or it didn't do its scenario. 
for a human being that is a piece of the divinity, that it was created in the image of God, where God gave us a gift called free will, he had to make a conscious decision to have a certain level of spiritual blindness in this world, because otherwise we would never be able to do the thing that we're intended to in the first place. Choose the connection with God. We have to choose it. A kid who's born the billion-dollar silver spoon in his mouth, who was given everything he ever wanted from the second he could open his mouth and cry, grows up to be a miserable human being. Spoiled brat. Someone who feels entitled. Someone who has no appreciation, gratitude for for his world and and, and what's around him. Never has the ability to refine his soul and his character through trial and tribulation, through learning. When God doesn't just give it to us, when we have to choose to connect to it, make a conscious adult mature decision to use our free will to connect to the truth of God, to see behind the shadow, to see the hand of God even though it's not smacking you in the face. That's the point of creation. And by the way, from a Jewish perspective, that's what the entire story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden is about. Adam knew this. Remember, Adam was created in the garden. He had everything. He was created as a purely spiritual being. Remember, he didn't even know he was naked until after the sin because he had no body. He only saw the matrix. He only saw the spirituality, right. which is the truth of everything. From a Jewish perspective, we believe Adam chose to sin. He made an intellectual calculation that what is a higher level than being born with everything? Earning everything. And so the rabbis, thousands of years ago, said Adam chose the sin because someone who sins and then repents and comes back to the garden, then earns the garden, then it's his forever. Then he becomes a piece of that eternity because he can appreciate it and have gratitude for it. And so from a Jewish perspective, all of human history is a multi-generational team effort to get back to the garden. By rectifying the sin of Adam, we understand all sins to to have a piece of that original sin. And in doing so, this is how we understand coming back to the end. What we call tshuva, what we call repentance, what we call return to the truth of God. That when you don't see it and you still choose it because you know it's true, not believe, not blind faith, because you know it, that's the end all be all. And this is what we're doing. This is why we're struggling. This is why there's death and disease and war and poverty and evil and struggle. Because it's ours to say, even in this world of darkness, we know that the real, the true light is the true light. And nothing's going to take me off that course. And even if I fall off the course, I'm going to use my free will to come back on. Because God gave me a map. That map is called the Torah. He told me how to live. He told me not to go too far left or too far right. To always go straight and strong. And that's and that's and that's our life's goal, and that is again the essence of what it means to be a Jew and live like a live, live like a real Jew. Now, you know, in comparison with uh, with Christianity, it's basically in the same similar sense. And what's that? Is looking 
looking at the big picture, it's sad that many times people choosing to turn away from that truth, to choose to look away from it. It's like when you see, um, I don't know, a burning building. I'm, it's, I don't, I'm looking for a good example, but it's, but even though it's, it's, okay, it's almost like you're starving, but you see, and you see a buffet in front of you, and yet for some reason, in your own desire, in your own, uh, because your heart is blinded to the truth, because of your own desire, you turn away from that, that which is good for you, that will nourish you and bring you strength and health and life. And uh, it's it's sad that we see that in a, in a in the world that we live in today. It's sad that people don't uh, either have that truth because it's never been presented, or they turn away from that truth willfully. And uh, wow, that's a that's a tough road to go down on both ends. So wow, great stuff, man. It's, so <laughs> we you said all that, explaining, sharing that perspective with us. Uh, because we have, we're coming in actually into the holiday season of the Jewish state, the Jewish people. There's there's not a lot of going on in the summer except it, this week weddings. happens. Weddings. With a lot of weddings for sure. Thank God. It's a beautiful thing. But uh, holiday-wise, it's not, it's not a heavy time of year. Um, really, this this beginning of this October starts the real main, what we call in English, at least high holiday season. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. But we do have this specific week to a major and a minor holiday that uh, have massive significance and are really cornerstones of the Jewish life cycle, of the Jewish calendar, of Jewish history and Jewish future. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm I'm, not, I'm gonna stop you from stuttering, man. I'm gonna help you out. <laughs> let me save my let me save my my, my boy friend over here. Um, we're in the Jewish month of Av. Uh, for those out there, maybe you don't know, there the Jewish calendar has 12 months. Typically, we have a leap year once in a while, but uh, there's 12 months. Our months have uh, have different names, names you probably haven't heard of. But uh, right now, currently, we're in the month of Av, A-V. And uh, on the 9th of this month, and the 15th of this month, we, 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 we have two, two holidays. Uh, very different from each other, but they're kind of bookends for, for the Jewish life cycle. The 9th of Av, or in Hebrew, Tisha B'Av, is, is really the saddest day in the Jewish calendar. It is a day where the Jewish people commemorate massive pain and destruction. It's where we commemorate a lot of death and destruction at multiple points throughout Jewish history. Um, and then we have Tuba Av. Tuba Av translates as the 15th of the month of Av. That is kind of our day of love. It's our, it's our. I hate to say Valentine's Day because it's a <laughs> Saint, Saint Valentine, but right. colloquially uh, the Jewish people not only have love for a lot of the Catholic saints, they... They, they usually weren't too uh, friendly to the Jewish people over the uh, over the millennia, but yeah, nonetheless, exactly. it's it's akin a little bit to to what in America we know as Valentine's Day, where it's a day of great celebration, great joy, uh, and we'll get we'll get into the details, I guess, uh, right now. And actually, uh, 
you gave the bookends, both bookends, right? Okay. So we're actually going to get into the detail of that uh, in just a minute because we only have a minute left in this sec in this segment. So I, when you first came on, I said a half hour. I thought we could cover this in a half hour, but the meat was so good. The appetizer was yeah, so good. The appetizer was that so we, good. We saved the appetizer, but now we're getting to the main course. Yeah, we're going to do that in the second segment coming up. And, uh, folks, thank you for listening. And uh, don't forget, I want to give this as a reminder, don't forget to listen and share every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at 17 and 21 in the Jewish State. And get involved with Chocolates for Heroes, please, please. I remember my first car wreck as a 16-year-old boy. I thought I was an expert driver with all of my vast experience of six months. And then it happened. I was cutting through a parking lot thinking about my girlfriend whose house I'd just left, and suddenly someone put a concrete light post in front of my car right there in the parking lot on purpose. And so I hit it. My collision was more than a crash of my car. My pride was also being punished. How could I explain to anyone how I totaled my 1962 Impala going 20 miles per hour in a parking lot? Of course, that lesson was minor in comparison to the greater collisions of life. The unexpected crashes in school, among friends and family, at work and elsewhere. Collisions are contagious, you know, and maybe you're having one right now. God can do more than fix it. He'll even forgive it. Our foolish mistakes become an opportunity for him to reach out with a remedy. When life comes crashing down, it's time to look up. The psalmist said it best when he said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is John Bryan bringing you today's key word. Leading the Way features the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Michael Youssef, the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. I hope that you'll make plans to join us each week when we're privileged to share two recent messages that I know will encourage you in your faith. You'll also learn more about the worldwide outreach of Leading the Way to more than 200 countries and in more than 20 different languages. So join us right here for Leading the Way. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. 86% of its water. The next, the country in the world that is number two in, in terms of percentage of water recycled is Spain. Guess what percentage number two in the world is recycling? 19% of its water. Israel's 86%. Spain is at 19%. Wow. You want to say wow? That's You're amazing. doing a lot of wows before. You didn't know why. <laughs> By the way, there has been leaps and bounds in the last year, specifically in desalinization uh, technology. Israel now has, I think, four major uh, deep water desalinization plants that are tremendously uh, up-leveling Israel's water intake, Israel's agricultural products, refilling, by the way, the Sea of Galilee, the Kinneret, and is currently uh, in, in process of developing something called the Dead Red Canal, where we're creating a water desalinization plant in Eilat, the southern tip, 
which will share water with Jordan and then create the, the briny water, the salty water runoff, will be put into a canal that flows into the Dead Sea. Wow. Because currently the Dead Sea is becoming deader every year. We're losing, we're receding heavily, losing a meter of water each year. And it's going to, again, to start uh, refilling this tremendous world landmark. And real, by the way, economic uh, engine for Israel, tremendous amount of great chemicals and value comes out of the Dead Sea. Absolutely. Anyway. You know, what's amazing about that whole situation with the Dead Sea is that God cursed, and you and I have a debate over this, But God cursed that area because that's where Sodom and Gomorrah once was. And God destroyed it and cursed the land. But what God, what man God, sees God, as a curse... God cursed, God cursed those people that did those things, for sure. But that is now part of the Holy Land of Israel. Right. God forbid it's a cursed place. It's, it's part of the holiness and land of Israel. And when the Jews have control of it, which they do today, tremendous blessings come from it. Absolutely. That, that was the point I was getting to. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. Now, let me, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. we got holidays to talk about, man. We do. I have heard in some reports, I don't know how legitimate they are, that there are pockets of the Dead Sea where fresh water has come into, and now there's life in pockets in, in these pools where the Dead Sea's receded, but yet there were pools left, and that water's become fresh, and now there's actually... That may be. And there, there, you know, there, are, there is microbacteria on the bottom of the, of the sea. I mean, it's, it's, it's not completely dead, that's for sure. For sure. And it's certainly mineral-rich and uh, a rich, important, vibrant piece of the land of Israel. One question I've always had, though, and then we're going to move forward. Has anyone ever tried to take a boat... A motorboat across the Dead Sea. Of course. In fact, forgetting that, I mean, they of course have that today. But in ancient times, and we've found ancient boats preserved in the Dead Sea where they were ferrying people across thousands of years ago. Wow. Yeah. I did, this is stuff I didn't know. Yeah. So I need to ask. All right, moving forward, we have... We're talking holidays. Jay, I'm looking here online... In Wikipedia, which is not always precise, but it's close enough for what you need it. Tisha B'Av. I see, you, <laughs> I, I see you about to stutter. Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. Let's just get into and it. And they had this picture of the destruction of the temple. Yeah. Tisha B'Av um, commemorates the destruction of not just the first temple, but the second temple. They happened on the same day. But um, it's amazing how that works. Well, it, it isn't. It isn't actually because if something that that holy is destroyed, um, there there must be antecedents that allowed that to happen. And by the way, from a rabbinical Jewish perspective, we know the rabbis say that yes, the Babylonians and the Romans destroyed the first and second temple, but from a spiritual place, the rabbis say this, those buildings were destroyed already. And they were only wow. able to destroy them physically once once they were spiritually defiled, and that was by the Jews. And this actually links to what we're talking about. So, you know, we actually referenced this earlier that all of human history is trying to rectify the sin of Adam, but but every every major sin, from a Jewish perspective, in, in the Torah, is something that that at least through a Jewish historical perspective, we as the Jewish people are trying to rectify every generation. And the first Tisha B'Av, the first ninth of Av, 
was actually the sin of the spies. So just to recount for your readers, who I'm sure know, know, know the text of the Bible better than I do, but I'm going to paraphrase a story where we're supposed to, the Jewish people are in the desert, supposed to enter the land of Israel, and the Jewish people say to, uh, say to Moses, we don't just want to go in, we want to send spies to check out what's going on there first, and unfortunately Mo, Mo, Moshe, Moses allows it. So he takes 12 spies, which, by the way, these 12, they weren't just spies. They were the leaders of each tribe, one from each, and send these 12 spies into land. They come back from the land. Ten out of 12 uh, came back with a real negative response about what they saw. They saw giants. They thought that they were grasshoppers in the eyes of these giants. They thought it was a land that they would have to fight to win. They thought that it was a land that had to work hard to till. Um, of course, Joshua and Caleb, to their credit, came back with a positive response. No, we can do it. Let's go. God gave us this land. It's ours. But the ten, their voice was louder, stronger, more persuasive, unfortunately, to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people started crying on that day. And that day was the ninth of of. So says God. So says God. You're going to cry over nothing? You're going to cry over the gift I gave you? You're not going to believe and have faith that what I say you can do, you can actually do? Well, I'm going to make this day a real reason to cry. You're going to cry for nothing. I'm going to make the crying real. And on that day, the ninth of Av, is when multiple times throughout Jewish history, there's been tremendous death and destruction. Um, Wow. The sin of the spies was speaking negatively, not just on the land of Israel, but speaking negatively about our relationship with God, and speaking negatively and not believing in ourselves, Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. So, ultimately, this is what led to the destruction of both temples. And this is what makes me, as a Jew, so incredibly proud to be a Jew. Let's talk real rabbinical Torah. The Talmud discusses the destruction of both temples discusses the holiday the commemoration of Tisha B'Av. First of all, let, let, let me preface by saying Tisha B'Av is really a day of mourning for the Jewish people. We have a t- t- what 25-hour complete fast. And remember, this is the height of, of August, the height of summer. We can't drink. We can't eat. 25 hours. We are in complete mourning. We n- are not allowed for the nine days, which we're in right now, preceding Tisha B'Av, we're not allowed to eat meat. Or shave. We're not allowed to shave, because eating meat, shaving, and listening to music, and getting married, by the way, are all things that you don't do when, when you lose a loved one, when there's a death in the family, and you're mourning, there's signs of mourning. So we're supposed to be mourning this mass destruction of the Jewish people. And so we, we, we commemorate it in this most meaningful way. And then on the day itself, specifically, we're fasting, we're in synagogue, we, we read Eicha, Lamentations. Um, beautiful book. It's it's beautiful, but it's definitely wow. a mournful. Absolutely. It's not. A, it's 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 a it's a pensive, contemplative um, book book of woe, and you can really hear the the sigh and the pain of the Jewish soul uh, in that book. Of course, it, it ends on, on, a, on a hopeful, positive note for the future, but that's that's what we're in now. And so on this day, Tisha B'Av. Uh, when, when we're fasting, when we're in mourning, we're mourning the destruction of the temple, but then we're also hopeful about the rebuilding of the temple. Now, the Talmud. The Talmud discusses, like it does, discusses everything about Jewish life. 
when it comes to the, the, the conversation between the rabbis 2,000 years ago on Tisha B'Av, it of course references that the first temple was destroyed physically by the Babylonians and destroyed physically the second temple by, by, by the Romans. But that was only really a, a blurb, a, a little bullet point. But then there are pages and pages, paragraphs and paragraphs, discussing the real destruction. And so say the rabbis, the real reason the temples were destroyed, not because of the Babylonian or Roman anti-Semites, not because of this foreign army wanted to physically hurt us, was because we, the Jewish people, deserved it. The rabbis talk about what did we do wrong to earn this smack. And the smack didn't come from the Babylonians, it didn't come from the Romans. They were just tools of God. Because everything, both good and bad, that happens to us is God speaking to us. God sometimes picks up a stick. Sometimes the name of that stick are the Babylonians. Sometimes the name of that stick is the Romans. But we need to see who's holding that stick. Because that the, the guy holding the stick is the Lord, the creator of the universe, that holds every stick, that makes everything happen. And so, what a beautiful thing it is to be a Jew, to know when destruction comes to us, we're not pointing fingers and blaming. Sure, we know as a fact that it happened to be the Babylonian holding the sword, but we don't blame them. We can't blame them. They are a tool of God. We blame ourselves. Because from a Jewish perspective, you're walking down the street and you just scrape your knee, you have to look inwards. You can't blame the crack in the sidewalk, and you can't blame the, the guy that shoved you, and you can't blame the dog, the dog, the, the black cat that ran in front of you. <laughs> we don't believe in this nonsense. We believe that we have souls that need to be corrected, that we have a reason for existing, and, that, and the reason for existing that we spoke about earlier is repentance, is tshuva, is connecting to the truth and the will of God, and that if something bad happens to us, whether big or small, and by the way, the destructions of the temples, they were big destructions. Absolutely. They were wow. Holocaust-level death. Blood was literally running through the streets like streams. The amount of uh, slavery, um, destruction to the land, destruction to our lives was overwhelming. And so say the rabbis, our fault. Specifically, when the first temple was destroyed, uh, the rabbis point their finger to the um, unacceptable levels of idol worship that the Jews were partaking in, uh, perverse, perversion of, of physicality, sexuality, murder um, that, that was going on. The Jews weren't following the Torah. And the Torah says and repeats over and over again, if the Jews don't follow me, the word of God, um, every few generations, I'm going to give a smack. And sometimes that smack is going to be harder and louder than in other generations. And the, the destruction of, of the first temple was that level. So say the rabbis for the destruction of the second temple. The destruction of the second temple was because of, we say in Hebrew, sinat chinam. We didn't, we didn't love each other. We didn't respect each other. We didn't have a basic, decent level of gratitude for our brothers. And for that, God destroyed the, allowed the Romans to destroy the second temple. Because ultimately, if you were created in the image of God, and I was created in the image of God, and we're not respecting each other, that means we're not seeing the godliness within, within right, each other. Right. And by the way, God is our father before he's our king. And, if he, and what does a father want? Wow. 
wow. for his kids more than anything else. He wants the kids getting along. Maybe he's not happy if they're cursing and hating on him, but for sure he wants the kids doing well with each other. Yeah. He wants them loving each other, taking care of each other, respecting each other. And that's what we weren't doing in the destruction when the destruction of the Second Temple happened. And so for me, I always took it as such a honor being part of this tradition, this people, the Jewish people, the, the Torah, the rabbis, who say, don't place blame, don't complain, look inside yourself, see what happened, fix it, because only by focusing on the real problem, and that's inside you and inside your people, inside your family, is real salvation, is real blessing going to come. That's why, you know, there's one of the prophets, the prophet Joel, said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and repent of their sin, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And that healing of the land is not just what we think is the ground, but is the healing of the heart of the people. Uh, they call themselves gods. From a Torah perspective, when, when the Jewish people are doing right, the land of Israel is doing extremely well. And by the way, we see today, the de desert's blooming. We're having water excess in the middle of the Middle East. Not, not exactly the most water-heavy water, water heavy part of the world. Absolutely. Where everyone around us is starving. Desertification is taking over. You know, I just read the other day, millions of farmers in Syria <laughs> have been displaced, living in shanty towns outside of the major cities. Wow, wow, wow. Be, be, because they dug wells so far down, they literally dried up the aquifers. Wow. And Israel, their neighbor, is now having water access. Wow. That's amazing. Why do we keep saying wow, man? We, how, how, <laughs> My mother said like, one time, Michael, you say wow too many times. It's, but, it's hard not to do that here. But right? that was before she came here. And now there's she a, said, now I understand. There's a lot of wow in the land of Israel. So ultimately, as I said before, we're in the nine days. It's time of mourning, um, culminating in, in that destruction. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, again, paraphrase a, a story in the Talmud. I think it was Rabbi Akiva, but boy, oh boy, your unofficial, unofficial rabbi is pretty unofficial. I can't give you specifics. You know, I love, I love meeting, meeting devout Christians. They know the page number. They know the, they, they know, they know the sentence number. They know, they can quote any by, by letter for letter. They can quote. Okay, maybe they're quoting the, the, the New James version. They're quoting the Hebrew, but still, it's incredible to me. I wish, I wish, I wish I had that level of knowledge. You know, I, I, I have to say, Jay, that. I watched a video the other day, because in, in China, Christianity is forbidden. And I saw a video, and I've read articles, where the Chinese Christians received Bibles, and they were kissing them. They were kissing them and hugging them. They write the scripture, even, even Torah, down on toilet paper, and they memorize it. And then they pass it on, because if they're caught with it, they'll be, they'll be killed or jailed. Yeah, and, and China's got some concerning, concerning trends. With that being said, Jay, on, for, on both of our parts, bro, there's. I look at my mother, man. My mother quotes Torah to me, brother. She knows Shlomo Chemelech, King Shlomo. She knows the Proverbs and the Psalms, and even Proverbs. She would always say, "We hang up 
on the phone, even now, even now on 45, we hang up the phone, and she's always got some word of wisdom from Torah for me. You know, you met her. <laughs> she, she's, she's a very, very special lady. Yeah, she's amazing. I would, I, my life would be, man, I'd probably be pushing a shopping buggy, a drug addict, alcoholic, if it weren't for that woman's prayers. I just, there's no other way for me to look at it personally. But you're right, if, if more of us, and, and that's why when you see, when I see the soldiers. Rapping to fillin'. Again. Wow. Putting on them phylacteries, you Gentiles say. Phylacteries. There's, there's, I, don't know what, I don't know what that word is, phylacteries. You know, I, look, obviously, for those of us who believe in God, who, who believe in the scriptures and Torah and the prophecies, uh, I fall short, man. I fall short in so many ways of knowing that truth and hiding it in my heart. Not just my head, but in my heart. So that I can become more obedient to it and have my life blessed more, you know? Amen. Hold on, you're, going, you're taking me off tangent. I'm telling the story. <laughs> Why is everything about you? So, the rabbi and his, and, and his, uh, and his students are walking towards Jerusalem. And they see a fox playing around the destroyed stones of the temple. And his students are crying. And he starts laughing. And the students say, how can you laugh? This is the destruction of our holy temple, God's house. And you're laughing? We're crying. We're mourning. So says the rabbi. I think it was Rabbi Akiva. So say the prophecies. The temple's going to be destroyed. But the prophecy also says we're going to be redeemed. The prophecy also says there'll be an end of days when the Jews come home and the third wow. temple will be rebuilt. So if the first part of the prophecy came true, the temple will be destroyed, that means, of course, the second part of the prophecy will come true. And so it's for that that I'm laughing. And it's for that that I'm hopeful. And it's for that that I'm thanking God. And boy, oh boy, is that an incredible high-level perspective to have when you're staring at the face of death and destruction. This too shall pass. If God said bad's going to happen and God says good's going to happen, you can bank. You can put the money down that good's going to come. Look, I see some of the good now. I'm, I'm reading Breaking Israel News. The head of Breaking Israel News is Rabbi Tuli Weiss, great man. And it says here, Temple Institute opens school for Levite priests in preparation for Third Temple. Well, you know, the Levites are the ones playing instruments in the temple there, so, you know, maybe they're learning harp and... What are they learning there? That's amazing. Actually, I'm gonna, we're working on an interview with them. All right. And uh, Tell me about those instruments. To, to see that, to see that headline... Now, with that news, and the news of Rabbi Yehuda Glick, and over a billion dollars worth of gold in the mountains of Elat that they're working on, you, you didn't know this, I see that look on your face. I actually did an interview with him last year, and he's been on some other places. For some reason, this is not widely known in your country. And when I tell people about it, they're, why, why get out of here, are you serious? And I pull up Google, where I Google and it's in the media and it's been in the international media not widespread you got to Google it in uh, 
Yehuda Glick and Gold, comma Gold. All right. And you, you, and it's amazing. And they've been working on this. He kept it secret for many years, as he worked on it, and trying to discover it. They actually used prophetical scriptures to identify where that gold was. Absolutely. Why do you read the article? It's amazing. I'm looking forward. And uh, so now we have we have the priest that have all the garments ready that are being trained uh, in uh, performing the acts of sacrifice in the temple. All the stones, Jay, have been laser cut. I heard about this in 1993 when we had a guy come and speak at our school and uh, tell us about how the stones are already laser cut, ready to be put in place. And now we have the priest ready. The red heifer has already been taken care of. Uh, and now we have the uh, Levitical priest learning how to play in an orchestra. Jay, this is happening in our lifetime. The dream and prayers of your ancestors after 2,000 years of living in the diaspora is coming true right before our eyes in our generation. In our generation. Some people that I've had to talk to people, they no, this is 20, 30 years from now. This is now. This is happening now. Now, as well with this good news, talking to many people, and especially the soldiers, we have every major military around the world right now in Syria. We are on the precipice of Gog and Magog. I truly believe that. And uh, to be here during this time is amazing. Jay? By the way, Gog and Magog is one of those negative prophecies that could happen, but, but from a Jewish perspective, all the prophecies that are positive have to happen, and the bad ones, like wars of Gog and Magog, don't necessarily have to happen. They're what could happen if, if we don't get our act together sooner or later. But let me say this. I don't necessarily wholly believe that it's based on just the Jewish people. I think mankind and their wickedness will drive them. You know, it's kind of like a suicide bomb. It's the difference between a dog that is trained to attack and a dog that has rabies. A dog that is trained to attack has a specific mark and target that it's aiming for in order to protect and defend. A dog with rabies will go after anything around it and try to infect it uh, unknowingly. And it's, uh, and it's mental and emotional uh, and physical disorder and state. And I believe that's the place where mankind is today, that we're creating chaos. And many times we, I, I believe that many know in their spiritual blindness and their own wickedness, as they, as they have chosen the wrong path uh, for their own greed or whatever purpose they have. And in the end, that greed and purpose will drive them to, to basically to their own suicide. So I believe it will happen. I believe it can. I, I agree with you. It can be thwarted, but I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> Simply because man is getting more and more wicked in his present state, and uh, yet yeah, that's where this is where we need to seek God and ask for His help. To, to bring us closer, because the closer we are to Him, the more purified our life becomes through His Word. Does that make sense? Is that good stuff? 
All right. <laughs> so did you look it up? I, I looked it up. You know, it's... They haven't found anything yet, but they're looking. No, it's there. He thinks. I think it's there. All right, that's that's the story. Fifty thousand. By the way, I hope they find it. Fifty thousand minimum investment. You can be included in all this. All right. I'll somehow come up with the money. How many how many chocolate bars to get in on that? Uh, wow, that's too many for me to count. All right. Well, let's talk about other good news. The other good news we have the other holiday, and that's and that's Tubov. And Tubov, the fifteenth of the month above, is our Valentine's Day, as I said before. It started when the young Jewish maidens, who were yet to get married, would borrow white tunics and go out into the fields and dance, hoping to find a mate on this day. It is on this day that we believe God gives an extra... extra, spiritual level and spiritual capacity for someone to find their soulmate. So for all you single boys and girls out there, <laughs> this is your day. This this really is your day. Wow. And uh, the book ends. This is, this is the book ends. And on this day, by the way, we here in Tel Aviv are taking a busload of young Tel Avivians um, to visit ancient Shiloh, where, by the way, this tradition, I believe, first got started in the fields around Shiloh. Shiloh was, was the site, one of the sites of the, uh, the ancient Mishkan, the ancient tabernacle. And it's in the fields around, around Shiloh where, where the maidens would, would dance. Um, and we'll be taking young Jews from Tel Aviv out there to visit the historical site, to actually uh, visit, vi- visit and walk the land. Taste, taste some of the produce of the land of Israel. I actually visit a couple tremendous wineries that are uh, in the Shomron. And uh, actually going to give love to our firefighters. We're actually going to visit a fire, the Shomron fire station yeah, yeah. to show support to, to the hardworking boys and girls keeping our, keeping our land safe. So thought that, we thought that was a meaningful, nice addition to this, uh, this event we got coming up. And then that night... In, in, in downtown Tel Aviv, in Nevei Tzedek, we're hosting a massive community Shabbat dinner for the new... This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.